you have your Bibles this morning and you would, find 2 Samuel, the 5th chapter. 2 Samuel chapter 5, and I want to talk to you today about what real sacrifice looks like. As we come out of Easter, we have looked at what sacrifice is by looking at what Jesus did for us on the cross. And as we are quickly approaching Mother's Day, most of us uh, uh, can think about our own mothers and see the sacrifices that they make for us and the way that they uh, labor and and do so many things to ensure uh, our well-being and safety and all of those things. And And so as we start this series in 2 Samuel chapter 5, uh, most of us have heard the phrase, a God of second chances. And I am thankful that God is a God of many chances. Amen? I am glad that God is willing to forgive us, not just twice or three times, but repeatedly. But I ask you this simple question this morning. Can that be said about us? If people were to think about you individually and me individually, would they say, man, Jake is a forgiving person? Now, I'm not talking about the people that you know at work or that you see randomly. I'm talking about would your kids say, boy, my dad is a forgiving person. Would your spouse say if they were honest today, Man, they are a forgiving person. Because if Jesus truly is a God who is willing to forgive us, and we are not willing to forgive and to give second chances, I believe we are hindering what God wants to do in our life and how God wants to work in His church. You see, today all of us have been hurt. All of us have been wronged. All of us have been taken advantage of. But the questions that we need to be thinking about today are not why did that happen or I can't believe that it happened. But we need to begin to ask questions like this. How do I deal with that and move forward? How do I recognize what has happened to me but yet stay mentally, emotionally, and spiritually healthy? After pain, how can I let go of the chains that I am clinging to? You see, all of us have baggage. All of us have scars and wounds. But if you cannot allow God to work and move in the areas of your life that have caused you the greatest damage and caused you the greatest pain and caused you the greatest stumble... Friends, you will never be who God wants you to be. You say, Jake, that's a wonderful thing. I've never stumbled. I've never struggled. I've never been hurt. I've never hurt anyone else. Uh, Today the sermon is not on lying, but I could preach that. Because today, if we're honest, all of us know what it's like to enjoy a second chance. But if we're honest this morning, as I have to be honest, I am not always willing to extend... The courtesy of a second chance. I usually justify it like this. Well, I sure will forgive them, but I'm not going to forget it. 
But yet the Bible says that God not only forgives us, but He forgets it. You say, well, Jake, I'm not God, and I am thankful you're not. And you better be thankful that I'm not. But if nothing is impossible that God can do, there has to be a way that we can not only forgive, and maybe not totally forget, but be healthy. And so this morning in 2 Samuel chapter 5, if you've been following with us, you're probably thinking, man, David's at a pinnacle point here. His enemies are dead. His opponents are gone. He shored up the kingdom and his authority. He is in charge. But today I want you to see something. The very same people who are coming to David today are the people who have hurt him the most. And David has a choice to make. David could say, oh, now you want me to be your king? Now you want me to take care of your problems? Now you want me to show you mercy? Where have you been all of these years? But today I think we see David extends mercy and health and spiritual wisdom to those who had hurt him the most. And so this morning I hope that you will see that God has done that for you. And if you want to be who God wants you to be, you have to do that as well. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, if you're able, if you're not, I totally understand. But in 2 Samuel chapter 5, looking at verses 1 through 5, Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. Pray with me. Father, today I am thankful that you are a God of grace and mercy. Father, today I ask that you would forgive me God of my sinfulness, my wickedness, God, I pray today that you would convict and do what only you can do in the hearts of these people. Father, I pray today that you would help me to say the things that you want me to say and close my mouth to the things that should not. Father, I pray that you would use the preaching of your word for your glory. And God, I just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, and I really, truly hope that you will, we see first and foremost here, we see the people who had betrayed him. We see the people who betrayed him. Look here in verses 1 and 2. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron. If you remember, the 11 tribes had went against David. They had followed Ishbosheth and Abner. And now that Abner's gone and Ishbosheth's gone and they're realizing there's no stopping this freight train called King David. Guess what time it is? It's time to show who we really belong to. 
and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. You see, if you're David and all of these leaders, these are the spiritual and the political leaders of Israel. These are all of the who's who's of every tribe. They are now coming to your doorstep. And yet, as they come, maybe David is just a lot more spiritual than I am. I wouldn't be thinking as kindly as maybe some of you are. I would probably be thinking back to when they said these words here. Indeed, we are bone of your flesh. What they're saying is we're all Jews. We're all God's people. The, 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 the book of Deuteronomy says you can't be king unless you are an Israelite. And so they're saying, hey, we're, we're 13th cousins on your mom's side here, right? Right? We all, we, all, we all come from the same county where the family tree looks like a light pole here. You know, it's a, you know we, we, we are together. But you know what, if I'm David, I'm probably thinking back there in 2 Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse 8 when it says, But Abner the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth the son of Saul and brought him over to Maniam and made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin, and all over Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. Only the house of Judah followed David. If I'm David, I'm saying, oh really? Where was that family loyalty a few years ago? Where was that family loyalty when it was only Judah who followed me? But he didn't. But not only that, then they begin to say, not only are we all one people, they said, you remember back when Saul was king? It was you who led the armies anyway. Remember their song that got David in trouble? Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his tens of thousands. Well, if I'm David, I'm probably thinking back to 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 saying, Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. If I'm David, I'm probably thinking, oh really, were you thinking that when you were trying to kill my men? When you were trying to attack my armies? When our armies, our flesh and flesh, our bones and bones were dying on the battlefield? You see, they're flattering him. They are giving him the truth. But today, let's just be honest. How many of you have ever known you were being sucked up to and you let it go on anyway? Right? They had this one coming. Some of you in your marriages have done that. <laughs> I finally got an apology out of my wife. She probably shouldn't have to, but I'm going to ride this one till it's over. Maybe there's something that you won't apologize for because you are saying in your mind, I am not going to give them the satisfaction of knowing that they were right. You see, that's the heart that we have. But it's a heart that's unhealthy. 
You say, well, okay, what about, what else do they say here? Then they even put the icing on the cake. They go on and say, and even the Lord said, man, think about that. We're family. I'm a great leader. I'm the great military commander. And even God wanted me to be your shepherd and ruler. (laughs) But I don't know if you remember, if I'm King David, I'm thinking back all these times, over and over again, over and over again, and said, where were you guys when King Saul admitted before the whole army that I had done no wrong? Where were you then? You see, David has a choice here. David could make them grovel. David could say what we see in today's politics, that you know what, you burn those bridges and uh, there's no crossing them. But this morning I want you to really think about something with me. I want you to think about what is bothering you the most right now. Whether it's what's going on in your marriage, whether it's what's going on in the world today, whether it's what maybe you've done to someone else. And this morning, what is that sin? What is that hurt? What is that division? What is that betrayal that is causing you to be distant to God? What is causing you to be distant to someone else? You see, David is showing us here, the people who have wronged him the most have come to him. And the question is, how will David respond? What will David do? Because some of us would told them, you can turn around and march back to the same place you're going. My army's getting stronger. <laughs> My military's growing. Your army's getting smaller. Your leadership is gone. We'll just, uh, we'll win this battle the old-fashioned way. But that's not what David does. And so the second thing I want to show you this morning is, we see the relationship he committed to have with them. Look what it says here in verse 3 of 2 Samuel chapter 5. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. This covenant is a relationship that one party agrees, I will be your king. I will be the one that God has put over you. And you will be the ones who follow. We are entering into an agreement. And when you think about the New Testament and you think about Jesus, the Bible says that when we take the Lord's Supper, that it is because we are doing what? We are honoring and remembering His death, burial, and resurrection that purchased the new covenant that was shed for our sins that was shed for our sins and to take our place on the cross. And so this morning I want you to see this, that David could have said, I don't want a relationship with you. You haven't earned a relationship with me. I'll be your king whether you like it or not. There's two interesting things here about what this says, shepherd and ruler. Shepherd means to tend to. It means to lead to pasture. It means to care for the needs of the followers. And when you think about Jesus, the New Testament says He is not only Savior, but He is Lord. 
And when you think about Jesus as our Savior, I want you to listen to a verse from Titus chapter 2. Because many people will believe the lie that Satan has spun, that God doesn't want you, or that you are too bad for God to save, or you've ran too far from where God can rescue you from. You see, if you notice in this passage of Scripture, it says, all of the elders, all of the elders. It is giving this idea that the nation as a whole is coming to David. And this morning, I want you to hear this because in the new covenant and in the new relationship that Jesus wants to have to you, Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11, says, For the grace of God that brings salvation... The grace of God that convicts you of your sin, that saves you from your sin, that brings you into a relationship with God. The thing that changes everything about you and I. Amazing grace. For the grace of God, that brings what? Now, I'm not a real good reader, but I really want you not to miss this this morning. Salvation. The saving us free from our sins bringing us into a relationship with God. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And so this morning it doesn't matter how Satan has tried to convince you that you're not good enough, that you're too broken, that you're too far, that you've messed up too much, that you have made everything a complete train wreck. God is willing to extend grace to you. Now, that doesn't mean that all people will accept the grace of God. But what it says here in, as clear as it can be, for the grace of God that brings what? Not, not church membership, not baptism, but salvation has appeared to all men. And it goes on and says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust." We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. What did Jesus die for? Every lawless deed. Friends, the world might tell you that you're not worth saving. The world might tell you that your sins cannot be forgiven. But what it says right here is that He gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed. I'm thankful there were no sins that I have committed outside of rejecting Jesus Christ if I was to die lost that God cannot forgive me from. I'm, God, I'm glad that God can forgive me for hating someone in my heart. I'm glad that God can forgive me for lust. I'm glad that God can forgive me for jealousy and pride. I'm glad that God can, can forgive drunkenness and homosexuality. I'm glad that there is not a sin other than rejecting the conviction of the Holy Spirit and dying apart from Jesus that God is not willing to forgive. I appreciate that, that four of you have been forgiven. 
But that is a wonderful thing. Because each one of us struggle in different areas. You say, well, Jake, I've never had a struggle with hatred. Or maybe you say, Jake, I've never struggled as a drunkard. Or maybe I've never struggled with addiction. But I'm telling you this morning that there are sins in your life that needed to be forgiven. And you were not able to forgive yourself. But Jesus died for every lawless deed. And verse 15 is my favorite. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. What he tells Titus, this young preacher, is don't let people believe that Jesus didn't die for them. Don't let people believe the lies of Satan that they are too far gone, that they cannot be forgiven, that they cannot be saved, that they cannot have hope. Because why? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And he doesn't just say preach it. He says exhort it. He says rebuke it when it's not right. He says never stop telling people that Jesus died to make a new covenant, to have a new relationship, and to forgive you and I from our sins. But there's a second part of this. He says ruler. And this is the one we have a harder time with. This is the one that causes all of our tempers to rise just a little bit. To get us squirming in our seats. Because almost all of us love the idea of a Savior. Someone that will take our punishment in our place. But ain't nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I just can't wait to be ruled over. That's all right. You're lying. I'm not. Hebrews, the ninth chapter, verse 15 says this. And for this reason, He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. What he says is the reason that he gets to set the rules, the reason is that he is the one that gets to forgive, the reason that he is the one who gets to call sin, sin, and to extend grace and mercy is because he is in charge. He is the one that died on the cross. He is the one that was buried. He is the one that rose again. And this morning, friends, you might think sin is okay, but it cost Jesus His life. There is no point in your life when you can look at God and say, Lord, I know that you have said this. God, I know this is the way you want it, but I just don't think that me and you are on the same page. Look up here this morning. You and I are wrong every time when that happens. Because Jesus is not only Savior, He is Lord. And David was going to be their shepherd, but he was also going to be their ruler. Now, this is when some of us would say, I think I'll make them work a little extra hard because of what they've done to me. I think I'll make them, I'll make them give a little extra money in their taxes because I had to fight a war, right? I had to give up the throne of everybody for six and a half years. They owe me something for the pain and the trouble they caused me. But David doesn't do that. And friends, I'm thankful Jesus doesn't do that. Friends, I'm thankful that even if you give your heart and life to Him, 
in your last breath that He will welcome you into heaven for all of eternity. I'm thankful that the thief on the cross who had nothing to offer God, nothing to give, said, remember me. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. I'm thankful that the Bible teaches there is nothing that I can add to my salvation. That I am a sinner. That my righteousness is as filthy rags. But yet Jesus loves me. Third and final thing this morning, I want you to see that we saw the people that had hurt Him the most. We saw the relationship that He committed to have with them. And then third and finally, we see the success that God gave Him. We see the success that God gave him. You see, it starts here in verse 4 and says, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. David's son, King Solomon, had a long reign, a very successful reign, a very wicked at times reign. But when he died, his son took over the throne. And he went to his father's advisors and said, how should I treat the people? Should I clamp down on them or should I extend them mercy? Should I extend them grace? And King Solomon's advisor said, don't lay it on too thick. All right? Don't raise their taxes. Don't, don't come down too hard. And then he decided, well, I won't ask the most wisest man outside of Jesus who ever lived and his advisors. I'll ask the guys that I grew up with, right? I'll ask these guys that have no experience, no skills, but we're all buddies. And what do they say? Clamp down. And if you're familiar with that story in the book of uh, uh, the Old Testament, you will know that there is then a, a division. And why is that? Because in every situation, we have a choice to either honor God or honor our desires. What do you think King Solomon's son wanted? He wanted to be strong. He wanted them to respect them. I mean, do you think he might have been living in his father's shadow? His dad was Solomon. His grandpa was David. What does he have to offer? Probably not a lot in his own mind. And so his pride began to tear apart the nation of Israel. And this morning I want you to think about this because if you will do things God's way, especially in how you forgive people, and especially how you treat people, God will bring you success that the world cannot explain. God can put back marriages that the world has said is over. God can bring back prodigals that your family has given up on. God can repair brokenness that the world has said is too shattered. But it looks like this. And don't miss this if you've heard nothing else this morning. Sometimes success looks like enduring through the trial. 
Most of us think of success as I am winning major victories. But sometimes success is God just getting you through the days that you didn't think you could get out of bed. 1 Thessalonians 3 describes it like this. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in gospel of Christ to establish you and encouraging you concerning your faith that no one could be shaken by these afflictions for you yourself know that we are appointed to this. Paul says, I was so worried that you guys were going to abandon your faith. I was so worried that you were going to give up because of the persecution you were facing. We had to come see you. We had to come encourage you, but we couldn't, so we sent someone. And this morning, I want you to know this, that friends, you never know who is hanging on by a thread. You never know who is getting ready to quit. You never know who's getting ready to say, I'm done with it. I can't make this work. It's not worth it anymore. And God cares for them. You say, Jake, uh, we don't have a successful marriage right now. We don't even have successful children. Don't give up. That's what Paul was saying. I was worried you would quit. You say, Jake, I'm telling you what, the people I work with, if it wasn't a sin to murder, I would do it. That's what all the rest of the staff says about me. Don't quit. You say, Jake, I've prayed for this lost person in my life for so many years, and they just seem to be getting harder in their heart. They, they become more obstinate to the things of Christ. Don't give up. You see, sometimes success is enduring through the moment. But sometimes success is just recognizing that it's not up to you. You see, David was not king because of he, his own abilities. He was king because God had a purpose and a plan for his life. And this morning, the book of Romans tells us these words as we close. Now to him who is able to establish you. How many of you have ever drove by someone's house and they got this big old sandstone thing out in front of their house. It's got their last name on it and usually it has something else on it. Whatever EST is, right? Established. And the year they were married. I have never drove by one of those and saw Dash in what year they were divorced. I'm sure there are some out there. Now to him who is able to establish you according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. Friends, this morning God is able to establish you in a relationship with Him that can never be shaken. And friends, God is able to establish the purposes and plans that He has for your life, even though everything else seems to be shaking. And so today I want to encourage you to be faithful in whatever it is God's called you to do. Maybe today God wants you to forgive someone that has hurt you. Trust Him. 
Maybe today God wants you to go to someone and apologize to them. Trust Him. Maybe today God wants you to sacrifice and to serve in some other way. Trust Him. But this morning what I can tell you is this. The most important thing God wants you to know is that He wants you to be saved. Today God wants you to find forgiveness and hope that comes only through Jesus Christ. And so today I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what it has taken to bring you to this point today. But God has a purpose. But today if you're here and you realize that I have never truly understood and accepted the sacrifice that Jesus made for me, today could be that day. You say, well, Jake, I know I'm saved, but I'm just really struggling in trusting Him more. I'm struggling in following Him. I'm struggling in stepping out in those areas that doesn't make sense. Friends, all I can tell you today is this, that God is faithful. God will be faithful to keep you saved, and God will be faithful to give you the victories and and the wins that you need to serve Him but you're going to have to do it His way. That's what David did, and God blessed him mightily. If you would, pray with me this morning. Father, Lord, you know my heart, and Lord, that it's wicked. But God, today I pray that I have preached for your glory, not mine. Father, today I pray that you will take the words of your stuttering and stammering and confused servant and give them great clarity to the hearts of the listeners. Father, today I pray for those that are in this place that are lost. God, I know that there are at least one, Lord, in a crowd this big, multiple people probably, that don't know you. Father, today I believe that it's only through your conviction can they be saved. And so, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to work, move, right this moment. Father, give them the courage to step out and say, I know it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to trust Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. Father, for the believer today that's struggling with loss and hurt and difficulty, confusion, whatever it may be, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would convict them, encourage them, show them, God, that you love them, that you'll be with them, and to help them to step out in faith. Father, today maybe it's just a time of thanksgiving that, Lord, that someone's here today and they're saying, you know what, I've trusted God and He has been faithful. I have put my trust in Him and He has not disappointed me. God, just give us a heart of thankfulness for the victories that You've won. And Lord, whatever needs to happen in this place, whatever, God, we need to do, I just pray that You would show us, lead us, that we might be the church that You want us to be. God, I just ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.